Welcome to episode 63 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and our producer, Johnny Pham. Guys, I think that may have been one of the best weekends of football, and specifically Sunday, maybe the best day of football, just in back-to-back games, that I can remember for, for quite some time. And when you combine that, with two close KU games, you have a voice sounding like mine right now, which is which is struggling. But what are your what were your guys' thoughts on the weekend as a whole before we get started? I I, I want to look back at, at all four of these games before we we even pick the conference championships, which we'll get to later. Well, I mean, in absolutely insane. Every game came down to a field goal and a game-winning field goal at that. Crazy that three road underdogs came out on top and the fourth road underdog was definitely well within striking distance. Yes, um, I would say so. Even crazier that after adding more teams to the playoffs, it turns out just letting the best teams play each other might be the best formula for NFL <laughs> success. Instead of a week of uh, piss poor playoff games that we had last week, we had a week of just exciting playoff games. Um, That's true. But again, we've talked about this privately where it's like, you know, if like the Chargers get in, which they really should have, but didn't because they're the Chargers. But like if the actual seven best teams in the AFC get in, like if the Ravens don't just disintegrate in front of our eye in front of our eyes this year, we probably get uh, better results on that side at least. But we just had probably the eighth and ninth or ninth and tenth best AFC teams get that sixth and seventh spot, and that was that was a problem. It was a huge problem. Yeah, but this week. Probably one of the best weeks of football I'd ever seen. I might feel a little differently if the outcome on Sunday night was a <laughs> Buffalo Bills win. But even to that, and I think we've said this, credit to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the the way they played that game, absolute offensive masterclass on both sides. And I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback play better and lose a game than Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship three years ago. I mean, just absurd. But even Mahomes in the AFC Championship game was shut out in the first half. So I think you could yeah. easily make the argument that Allen at least had the more consistently good performance uh, in this last game. But, Johnny, what what say you on just a, a crazy weekend of football? Yeah, that was completely insane just compared to what the last week games were where you just kind of watch the box score, refresh ESPN, see what the scores are, rather than last weekend where just glued to the TV, just seeing, holy crap, that just the entire weekend was insane. It just, I, uh, after the like Saturday games, like, okay, how are like the Chiefs and Bills games and the Bucks and I don't even know who they played anymore. Rams game. Like we'll follow up that. Cause that was an insane walk off by the Niners and then kept delivering and kept delivering. Just, just didn't expect it at all. But it's one, one of the greatest weekends of, football watching I think I've had Mm -hmm. so the games on Saturday at least were exciting but and and good games but neither one like particularly well played for a lot of the games that would be I guess the one ding and then the the Rams Bucks game was like domination for two and a half quarters until the Bucks came alive so the Chiefs Bills game was the only one that was like a true classic throughout but obviously they were all great at the end, all, like you said, came down to literally one play at, at the end of the game. Uh, that's why it is, frankly, amazing. Dalton is 9-1 and one against the spread. Is that right? Let me pull up our – Yep. 
I'm nine and one against spread. I'm nine and one in straight up bets. Yeah, and it's like you like, and I'm seven and three and six and four, and we are literally like three total plays. Not even like the game winning plays, but just three like total plays in across multiple games away from being flipped. I mean, it was it was very close uh, throughout this last weekend for sure. Incredibly close. Uh, and I will say, I know the game didn't look that good, but the 49ers Packers game, I thought from like a football perspective, was I'm a sucker pretty... for some, I'm a sucker for a snow game. Yeah. Well, that and I, I've read a little bit the way the 49ers defense handled Aaron Rodgers is pretty interesting. I, I mean, because it's not like they have a weapons in their secondary and they definitely, you know, shut him out basically after his one touchdown drive yep. and contained Devontae Adams for the most part and just, Despite the busted play on Aaron Jones, they even held him to a field goal after like a 70-yard wheel route. Yeah. Uh, who could have possibly thought that the Packers – I mean, they lose the game because of special teams, to be clear. Yes. But like looking back at that game, you're like, man, if Rodgers would have just not underthrown Aaron Jones and he can go score a touchdown, the Packers still probably win that game after after all of the mistakes. Yeah, in and- that game. This Sunday uh, marks three weeks since Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown a touchdown pass, <laughs> and he is playing in the conference championship. Yeah, I, I, the you, you've got the tweet going around of touch of touchdown passes of guys left, and Kelsey's got one, and Garoppolo zero. Could Jimmy G make the Super Bowl and throw fewer touchdowns in in the playoffs until then than Travis Kelsey? Like it's very much possible. It's very possible. I do. We'll get to it, but that Rams game, I'm probably I'm pretty excited to see what the 49ers do to get around Jimmy G's subpar and injured play. Mm-hmm. So I did want to take a look back at all of the games, but I mean, everyone knows the team we root for on this podcast. I mean, I've got the Super Bowl Chiefs hat on. You can kind of see the arrowhead there. Like at that Chiefs game was just one of the most absurd games I've ever seen. And that Mahomes game was one of the more absurd things I've ever seen to have him not attempt a single pass more than 20 yards down the field and still, you know, completes 33 passes, I think was a franchise record or at least a franchise playoff record Uh, close to 400 yards passing a season high in rushing. I, (laughs) What he was like around 70 yards rushing, and like 50 of them were on the first series. Um, just an incredible game by Mahomes, an incredible game by Allen, too. Like, I think as we look ahead to this Bengals game, I I think people are going to have concerns about the Chiefs defense, which is valid, but also it's like no one is stopping the Buffalo Bills from scoring a ton of points in that game, and amazingly. It was 26-21 with two minutes left. So, like, the defense had actually done an okay job, even without Rashad Fenton, even with Tyron Matthew playing, like, six plays in the game. And then it just blew up on both both sides. I'm curious, Dalton, just what your kind of takeaways and and thoughts and reactions are to that game. I I have more, but I'll, I'll let you go with some here. Well, my first one, and just from a fantasy perspective, all season as a Josh Allen truther and lover, I was like, where are the designed runs? 
Turns out they were just holding all of the Josh Allen design runs the, for that the, game. The Bills were saving the Josh Allen design runs for the playoffs. They did it last week uh, against the Patriots a little bit too. And the Chiefs were saving the the man-beating crossing routes in, until the playoffs apparently too. Obviously yeah. Tyreek Hill scores on the long one. McCole Hardman had the big play in overtime. And then they had a lot more over-the-middle stuff. Throughout the yeah, game, so. turns out the best teams in the NFL don't use their best plays till they need to. <laughs> Sucks for us fantasy players because those best plays come in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean – other takeaways, and I think this is a topic we're going to talk about. We're all probably going to be way too high on Gabriel Davis. <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely torched the Chiefs, but one of his touchdowns, he pretty much – I mean, he just swooped by Mike Hughes, and Mike Hughes fell to the ground, and he was wide I open. think he – I think Mike Hughes is actually still falling through planet Earth right now. <laughs> and then you have one where Juan Thornhill just forgets to split the difference between two defenders and doesn't have a coverage over the top. Hey, but you know what? It, it it is Thornhill's fault, but like he wasn't that far. He was like he was just a step, like maybe a half a step behind. Like if that's not a perfect throw by Allen, he's able to make a play on it. But he yeah. did what Mahomes has probably done to him in practice a million times, just put it right over his head. Yeah, and from a Bills perspective, if Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are both gone, which it's likely they are, Gabriel Davis has some good value. Um, we're all probably pretty confident at Josh Allen being a consensus number one quarterback in the offseason after back-to-back years of doing it. And then really interesting to look at will be the Devin Singletary case and what the Bills do with their running back game because we might finally have – and Evan might finally get his call <laughs> on Devin Singletary hey, being the I, running back. I won my bet involving Devin Singletary this year. My good friend, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you did, but man, was it the weirdest roundabout way to get there. Um, but yeah, this Bills team, kudos to them. Their, their offense was high flying, but Kansas city just did the things Kansas city does offensively that first drive. I I don't know if there's any other quarterback who could take over a drive like that, but Holmes just willed the chiefs down the field. Yeah. The the first third down of the game, he has a, an option pitch forward type of pass for the first down when he, escaped uh an impossible looking pocket to escape especially when you see it from the coach from the all 22 um not the behind angle in front of and you really can see all of the linemen coming free and it's like man how in the world did he not get sacked right there which is a quality that we talked about today joe burrow does not share with yes with these guys and big pain um for Clyde Edwards and Truthers, had a pitch forward, hit him right in the helmet, and was unable to corral <laughs> for a touchdown. Uh, would have been huge for our Mitten team and for uh, my own personal feelings about Clyde and the fact that Jarek McKinnon has outsnapped him now the entire through the entire game. Um, but he did look good in the runs he got, which is yep. good. And maybe we're finally seeing the rise of Mecole Hardman because last – I kind of think so. Games, I kind of think so. Even if they bring in a number two – next year it's like he's he really shouldn't be like pringle is like their de facto wide receiver i mean it's kelsey hill but like just looking at wide receivers it, it's really pringle but like hardman is the the second playmaker among yeah group. yeah absolutely and i mean if he can get it together and they start scheming him you know four or five good touches a game he suddenly becomes a very high value fantasy asset um so i don't, I don't remember i don't remember which advanced like computer spit out this number but did you see where it was like i think he had like a 1.7 percent chance of a touchdown on that on that run on that end around where he hesitated and cut up field and scored no but that's insane I, it was just an insane run I, I mean we forget about 
how fast he is sometimes because Tyree Kill is just an alien and a lot yeah. faster somehow. Well, and there is probably one or two other players in the NFL who give the peace sign to a defender who has the edge on them. He's in front of him. The defender is in front of Tyree Kill, and he still makes it into the end zone for a touchdown while giving the peace sign. So I, mean, I, I, I want to go back to that play, too, um, for two reasons. Number one, um, if anyone is a Chiefs fan in here, you should go read Seth Kaiser on Twitter. He, he did a breakdown of, of that game from Mahomes, and that play is obviously in there. That throw from Mahomes is underrated, but hits Hill like perfectly in stride, never has to break stride, and he was getting hit while he threw it or right after he threw it, so he had to hang in there. So it was a great, great throw by him. And if you watch the replay where it just focuses on Hill's route, he gets an outside release on a crossing route, but is so fast, he still gets in front of the guy on the crossing route over the middle, which is just like it's that's just dumb. It's just dumb. It, that should not that that should not be a thing that happens in the NFL. Well, and at the point of catch, there are three defenders who have an angle to tackle Hill, and he just he's just faster. I mean, completely unfair. And then Travis Kelsey just getting completely open on the final two drives in coverages that definitely were schemed up to stop him. Uh, Kansas City just has two scheme breakers. It looks like Travis Kelsey is going to be the same Travis Kelsey again next year. I think, what, age 33 season, 34? He's definitely getting up there. But I mean, this entire team. There's no signs of slowing down. Yeah, is firing at all cylinders. It'd be very scary to be anybody playing against them, especially a team that can only score 19 points on the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, he so he turns 33 in October next year. So he'll be 32 entering the season, 33 October 5th. Um, Last thing on this game. Can we just talk about the Bills coaching meltdown at the end of that game for a minute? Um, They score with, with 13 seconds left. The Chiefs. It was a miscommunication. Sneed got beat inside very easily on the Gabriel Davis touchdown. 13 seconds left. Like, game should be over. It is over. Davis is yelling at the Chiefs crowd to, to shut the bleep up. Like, it, it's over. The Bills are celebrating on the sideline. And number one, they don't squib kick it. They kick it through the end zone, which I understand it a little bit more if Tyree Kill was back there. I don't think he was. They only ever showed Pringle on TV, and I'd have to see, like, everyone on the field to know for sure. But I don't think Hill was back there. So that's number one. And that obvious, like, even if even if the guy picks it up and, like, takes, like, a step and goes down, like, that probably wipes out three seconds. Mm-hmm. Dalton, how many seconds were left when Kelsey went down? Three. Three seconds. So yeah. I, I think that probably makes it pretty tough for them. Pretty to big two. difference. To, to get two plays off. So that's number one. Number two, like I get being terrified of Tyree Kill after what just happened to you literally one game minute ago. But they're they're playing so far off that the Chiefs, and I think Mitchell Schwartz actually confirmed this on a podcast this week I was listening to. They ran the Cowboys play. You remember the play the hill against the Cowboys where they throw yep. underneath they get out and block for him, and he's just so fast that he he that's scores. going back to Alex Smith days, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he, he he scores on a on a Hail Mary. That's a, a, a dump down Hail Mary. Just like that, just, you just don't see that. So they run a abbreviated version of that play, pick up 19 yards, 
And then the play to Kelsey, if you haven't seen the video, you know, just go search for it. Not that hard to find. Kelsey, number one, why are you calling – Mitchell Schwartz made this point. I'm going to piggyback off of him. Why are the Bills calling timeout before that play? They, they line up and they call a timeout. He made the point that, like, those end-of-game plays that offenses have are very static. There's very little shot the Chiefs went out there and changed their play based on how the Bills are lined up. Mm-hmm. So there's that. What it did do was give Kelsey a chance to see how they're guarding him and then tell Mahomes, which is picked up on the mic'd up, hey, if they do this, I'm going to do this. And what he did um, and what was made possible by the presence of Tyree Kill and everyone still being in prevent defense was basically fake like he was going to run to the outside. He gave a little hip turn and cut up field. And for whatever reason, the Bills guy apparently was instructed, I'm covering the sideline? They have one timeout. They have timeouts, and I'm covering the sideline, but that's what they do, and they pick up like the easiest 20, 25 yards you will ever see. It's just an absurd coaching failure that for as great as the Bills played and as much as they've prepared for this game, this moment, through their moves, through motivation, through everything, like that's going to stick with them for a long time, I think. Well, there's two things I want to say about the coaching by the Buffalo Bills. First, uh, Kansas City having timeouts to end the game. Hello, did Andy Reid <laughs> finally learn his lesson? Did he finally figure it out? Uh, so that was just exciting in general. The second thing, first drive of the game, Buffalo has two fourth down conversions. They make one of them for a touchdown, one of them to keep the drive alive, obviously. And then the rest of the game, they just stop with the aggressive fourth down conversion. Some of the fourth and well, two they had like the they had the play on third and two where they did like the little Isaiah McKenzie like jet sweep. It's like okay, thank yeah. you for not having Josh Allen run the unstoppable five yard run play again, please. Thanks. Yeah, well, that's the thing is when they did get aggressive, they stopped using Josh Allen. Kansas City did the same thing after the Tyreek Hill punt return, yeah. where we ran it twice, and then we ran an option to Kelsey on a speed option to McKinnon. With, with, with Blake Bell to McKinnon yeah, to the sorry, short Blake side Bell of the field. The short side of the field, and we ended up kicking a field goal. Um, and then just the two miscues on special teams by Harrison Butker. Uh, overall, there were a few messy moments in the game, but the bills just weren't aggressive enough down the stretch. I felt like with some of those fourth down conversions where they took a punt instead of going for it. And I, I do think they probably could have converted more of those, which it's just interesting to see their philosophy change in the game when they were up, when Kansas city is just so well known for being able to score in bunches, which we very obviously did to end the game. So I think the, and the last thing I'll say on this game one of the best parts of that game was there were only four penalties called. Like, that's what it looks like when refs get out of the way and let the play. I mean, that's not what it looks like. But, like, that's what can happen with two teams of that caliber when the referees – when there's there's no ref controversy. There's really no – like, there were a couple calls, no calls here and there, but there were no big calls, no I do feel like Mahomes calls. got hit a few too many times late in the slide, but – There there were one or two, but, like, those are going to happen every game. There was no, you know – just to use the example, there was no Chiefs Bengals where it was like, oh, pass interference extends the drive. Holding extends the drive. Like another penalty extends the, like there, there was nothing where you just felt like, okay, these are game swinging penalties going against this team right now. That it just made the game feel better. I mean, it just felt so much smoother. And I will say the Chiefs Bengals game, the coaching staff or the sorry, the referee staff for that 
has a very low penalty rate as well. So mm-hmm. hopefully we see another good game where the teams decided on the field and only the most important penalties are called. I lied. So last thing on this game, and it was a topic that I mentioned to you earlier today, Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary. I'm knocking Dawson Knox off of this. I think, I think, I think we agree that he would be the fifth of any of these guys drafted with the way their roster looks right now. You know, if they bring in another running back, then all, all bets are off you know, or something like that, right? But just with their roster right now, who do you think what, – what's the order of average draft position with those four guys next year? So Diggs is still first. I know he didn't have the best season, but targets-wise, he was almost the same. There mm-hmm. were just some pop plays he didn't have that he had two years ago, and that really – you know, less TDs, He had. A, he's probably due for some positive – touchdown regression mm-hmm. um so he's still going to be first and i still think he he, he has all the reason to uh i said this earlier josh allen i think is the consensus right now at least qb1 so he's probably next off the list uh i'm not going to draft him that high i don't think it's worth it with guys like lamar probably going to be later uh but i do think overall in adp he'll be second third i think devin singletary has worked his way into the three four like quote unquote rb dead zone and i think he's next and then I think Gabriel Davis is probably about a fifth round pick. So I think they all are going to have like pretty high top 60 ADPs mm-hmm. and someone, someone in that list is not going to work out. And that, and that, and that was kind of what I was going to say is you, cause if you add Dawson Knox as like a mid round, like and he will be. seventh round yeah. tight end, which he will be like, that is five guys going in the first six or seven rounds. Like even if that offense is great, which it, there's no reason to think it, it won't be. Like somebody is not living up to to expectation. And if that somebody is Josh Allen, then it might be multiple somebodies, but probably not him. But it, it it's very easy to to see some of those guys not living up to expectation when we just have to keep all of that in mind when we talk about them all separately. Like, okay, yeah, they're on the same team. Like all of these guys being top five, six round values at the end of the year isn't super likely, but they're probably all going to be taken there. Well, the other thing I'll say about that, um, and I talked about this last year because I thought he was going to be a departure for a new coaching staff is Brian Dabble. Brian Dabble called, he calls the plays for this team Mm -hmm. and he is a very offensive minded coach. He loves to pass the ball. And to be clear, Sean McDermott, a defensive minded coach. So it it wouldn't be like Eric bien leaving the chiefs. Oh, Andy Reid's still there. Like, the system would probably still stay in place, but the coordinator is more important there than a place like Kansas City or, or a place like, you know, L.A., you know, San Francisco, where it's like uh, just the head coaches or, or masterminds on offense. Yeah, and I'm not saying this offense, like, is going to hit the floor in mm-hmm. the NFL, but I, I think there's a lot of pause for concern because one of the expectations, regardless, is going to be they keep this pass-happy offense where their pass rate above expectation is through the roof. We don't know what that looks like. We have to wait to see who the OC is. Um, and then secondly, if it's not through the roof any longer, and either A, they rush Allen more, his value goes up, or B, they use their running backs in more creative ways and are less likely to run four wide receivers, no backs, then Singletary gets gets worth more. So I, that's one offseason note that I'm probably going to watch a lot of because the departure of Brian Dabble is probably going to be more important than people are at least talking about right mm-hmm. now. That's very possible. So my, my ranking of those four guys is the exact same as yours. Diggs one, Allen two, Singletary three. Uh, Gabe Davis for a couple caveats, though. I think 
if you're asking me what my ranking, which we don't do like just straight up top 50, top 100 mm-hmm. ranks. If we did, I'd put Singletary in front of Allen just because, of you know, it's quarterback. Even even QB1, I don't want to take until like late third. Like I think Singletary could be a mid. He, he might work his way up to a mid third. It just really – there's so much left to be figured out with the running back landscape, obviously, at this point. But I, I'd be very close at least on, on, on order for that too, for those two. And then secondly, like – Gabe, Gabriel Davis might be a fifth or sixth round pick and his range of outcomes is anything from, okay, like this guy was awesome in this one game and he's pretty good this year. But when we look back at that game, like they didn't have Fenton, obviously Matthew out, but like he was getting the third corner. He was getting Mike Hughes, the DeAndre Bakers of the world for the most part, like he scored on Snead too, but he wasn't getting Shavarius Ward. He didn't get Snead too terribly much. Like, obviously, he's not 201 and four touchdowns, but like maybe even that game just inflates it inflates him too much. Like, that's possible. It's also very possible that like he has taken the next step. Like, he's been a player that people have liked, that we have liked for multiple years. Like, if I told you Gabriel Davis was the highest scoring receiver on that team next year. How so, like what percent chance would you give that? I'm at like 30%. I'd say it's like he's got a decent shot to be the most valuable receiver on that team next year. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, this coming into the season, a lot of people not in Buffalo really expected Davis to have a better role. Uh, the one player on that offense that I think I'm going to watch for next season, and if you're betting that they're still going to be productive, if they retain Isaiah McKenzie and let Cole Beasley go, mm-hmm. he's in a very valuable role as the slot receiver. I mean, two years ago, Cole Beasley had a couple of 11, 12 target games because Allen does just throw those those hot strikes really like short when he can't get yes. open. Uh, and Isaiah McKenzie is a straight-up athlete. And the they, were, they were already getting him more involved down the stretch mm-hmm. of this season, too. Yeah, so he's going to probably be one of my more exciting late-round picks. I still have to evaluate how I feel about that offense going into next year, but if I still think they're going to be a top-five NFL offense, he's probably going to be my favorite steal out of that. I do think we're Gabriel Davis is getting drafted kind of near like a, a better range of his outcomes. And I'm also still expecting some Josh Allen regression. I've said that for a season now, and he's still, I still think he's playing slightly above his level. Um, and I know that's probably an unpopular take after his last two NFL games, but I mean, <laughs> those, those, he throws the ball really hard and sometimes it's just really inaccurate. Well, he's that he definitely even had up and down games. He had a game was against the Falcons where he had three turnovers like three weeks ago. So, like, we're not too yeah. far removed from. Like every quarterback has bad games, but his bad games are a little more pronounced than yeah. than some of the other elite guys for sure. Um, okay, let's hit the other three games real quick. Maybe like a minute, a minute on each one here. Uh, Bucks, Rams. We'll start there and work our way backwards. Just obviously, as soon as it's twenty-seven to three, it was just really ominous. Like if you're thinking, okay, like somehow Tom Brady is going to come back, and my God. He almost came back, but but let's start with the Rams. Uh, I think my biggest fantasy takeaway from this is number one, like Cam Akers fully back, fully the guy. Number two, Cam Akers fumbles multiple times, keeping an eye on that going forward. It, like he was fully back, fully the guy in that game. Uh, we'll see about about going forward. And, and then the last thing is like 
Odell is super awesome, and I'm really interested to see if he's back there or elsewhere next year. Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway uh, from that game is Cooper Cup is just an he's unreal. He, it's it. I, I, I just do not understand where it came from, how it happened. I, I mean, he tested and he graded well out of the combine, but what he's doing is elite level. And I've been pretty skeptical up to the end of the season that he will continue it, but he continued it. Uh, my other just real football takeaway is I think this Rams team is a fraud team. And you we'll talk so? about that. Wow. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I mean, just the way they let the Bucks back into that game, it is embarrassing to have done that. And I get it's Tom Brady on the other end of the ball, but you have the exact formula to beat Tom Brady, and they just let their foot off the gas. Maybe it's McVay thing, but coming out and running the ball three times in a possession and not getting a first down and then punting it back to Tom Brady is some of the most cowardly takes you can have in the NFL. Like the guy on the other side of the ball is one of the is the best player to ever play in the NFL, and you're just going to be okay with taking a minute off the clock and, and kicking it back to him. Yep. Would have helped if Cam Akers could secure the ball uh, yes. for sure. But real quick on the Bucks, I think you look at those guys. They have some of the biggest – um, variability of anybody in the NFL going into this offseason. Obviously, first and foremost, is Tom Brady does he retire? Is he is he back? That has a huge impact on whoever is there next year. Um, whether it's Mike Evans, like I don't know if they can keep Chris Goblin. I, I really don't. I'm starting to think that Goblin is going to go elsewhere. I think his franchise tag is up around like 19 million next year. They've got other cap issues as well. I'm not sure they're going to be able to sign him to a to a longer term deal. So I'm not sure if he's back. I think he'll be fine no matter where he goes, as long as he has a you know fine quarterback. If he goes to like the Giants or something, all, all bets are off. But like Mike Evans, if Tom Brady's not there, who knows? And then like Learn Fournette is the single biggest uh variable as far as value. Because if he's back there, he's a top 12 to 15 RB next year. If he goes somewhere else, I have no idea what to do with Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, if he goes somewhere else, it's back to me being fully out on him. And mm -hmm. I, the the biggest question, or what you're Leonard Fournette to Miami? You heard it uh, here first. He keep for those not aware, Evan keeps telling me that, and I am a Leonard Fournette <laughs> dynasty owner, and I really don't want that. Um, and the backup there is Kyle Trask right now, and this is a very competitive market right now for quarterbacks this offseason, It looks like. And the draft class is not incredibly inspiring. And, I mean, Tampa's going to have, like, the 28th pick, I think. So it's not like they're really going to be able to, to get a quality quarterback. I know a lot of people, if Tom Brady retires, are still going to probably talk up Mike Evans because of all of his 1,000-yard seasons. And let's just remember, he had Jameis Winston behind the ball then. Not the greatest NFL quarterback, but a fantasy gold mine. The guy would just throw pick sixes like crazy, so they'd have to pass the ball. So – I mean, if Tom Brady retires, I don't know who they're going to put at quarterback, but it's going to be a rough, rough couple of years in Tampa Bay if he does. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of uncertainty, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, we obviously already talked about, they come up very short against the Niners. And so obviously all eyes are on Rodgers and Devontae Adams. What do they do? We all know that they had the matching Instagram stories with uh, with the Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, the last dance picture. So we'll see if that actually is true or whether or not they're back, regardless of if they're back, that team is in a cap nightmare. Like, they are right there with the Saints. So I, I don't know. 
Like Rodgers, Rodgers may just leave because they're not going to be able to compete next year for for a championship. Did you know in his age thirty season, the Packers are paying Aaron Jones thirty million? I mean, yeah, I believe it because he's was he twenty seven right now? They yeah, just the last deal. year of his contract, he's getting thirty million dollars. It is absurd, and and that's I why don't you don't pay running backs. Absolutely, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm just out on Aaron, this Aaron Rodgers free agency stuff. I don't, I just don't want to listen to it. I'm just gonna wait. It, every day, it's already a thing on Twitter where they're like, "Well, he's going to announce before free agency where he's going to end up." First of all, I, the Packers still have to trade the guy. Like, the, he he's not just a free agent. If I if I were the Packers, though, I think I'd be ready. I think it's time. Me too, but the, I'm just not going to buy it. Like, there's going to be a lot of offseason reporting about it. Like, I spent a lot of energy on the Deshaun Watson stuff last season. And yeah, and you could can, you could be still spending your energy on yeah, that right exactly. now if you wanted to. So just wait to see where he ends up, and that's pretty much how I'm going to approach that. I am more interested in Devontae Adams. I don't think the Packers can afford him, so that will be fun to see uh, what team he goes to. I'm probably going to just rate him as the wide receiver two or three, no matter what or where he goes. Yeah, I mean, obviously – Again, with him, it's a little bit quarterback dependent too. He could definitely see a, a hit in value if it's not 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 an ideal situation for sure. On the Niners side, um, I just uh, I, I don't I don't know. They're just such an interesting story because like if they win the Super Bowl, is Jimmy G back next year? Like I like you could like I just don't know. Like you have a it's very rare to have a team this deep into the playoffs where you just have no, like they've got their guy, like they drafted their guy and Jimmy G is not playing well, but they're still winning. And they also, there's like also the element of like, well, the Niners could very easily trade for Aaron Rodgers if they wanted to, you know what? Brady could decide. I want to keep playing. I don't want to keep playing for the bucks. Like, I just don't think we, I, I think our window is passed. Brady could easily go to the Niners if he if he wanted to, as well. Like the Niners are just such an interesting team, and that's why their their next couple, their next game, and more if there is more, are are very interesting to me. Dalton, anything there? I mean, they the thing is they can't cut Jimmy. He has like a fifteen million dead cap hit. It's a pretty big number this year, and then even next year, I think it's still a big hit. Uh, so he would have to be traded. I will say. It should be clear to everybody after the second half of the Cowboys game, he did get hurt and he is playing hurt. And so I know there's a lot, including myself, are piling on this guy, but he is really like fighting hey, out there. If they lost injury. if they lost that game, it would have been well, number one, because he wasn't playing well. But number two, you can look back at one play in the red zone where Kittle is open in the end zone. Jimmy throws the ball so late that Kittle can't even get there to make a play on the ball when the defender cuts it off and catches it. Well, that, and I mean, there were probably four passes he had that should have been pick sixes. He, oh yeah. There, there's no power in his arm right now. And I think it's part of the shoulder injury he has. And I said this on Twitter to you guys, I do not understand why they don't just roll out like a triple option with Debo, Trey Lance and Elijah Mitchell at this point, because it, it Garoppolo is not getting it done. Um, I'm saying all this and I'm still going to pick them, but I I'm monitoring the Debo injury. I mean, he's really going to be the guy to win it for him. That defense though, they are playing so well in spite of a lack of talent in the secondary, which is really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they, they they do a good job with the zone coverages of of making it. I think they I think they just had Rogers kind of confused quite they quite did, often, which for, is really hard to do. Um, also, they didn't draft Aaron Rodgers, but he's given them four playoff wins. So congrats <laughs> to him. Um, I'm just saying, the guy that had the run out of the backfield uh, to get them in the field goal range, Debo Samuel. Should have running back eligibility in fantasy football next year. Okay, Titans and Bengals. Uh, this was probably the least entertaining of any of the games. Obviously, still a good game and good finish. Uh, Dalton, I think the, the Titans have to do anything they can to not have Ryan Tannehill on their team next year. I mean, he he was just so, so bad. And part of my logic for picking them was I, – I, I, I admit I'm an idiot. I didn't think that he was going to cost them as much as Derek Carr did at the beginning of of the game the previous week, and he did. Between that and forgetting that the Packers special teams can just give someone ten points at any time, those were my mishaps this weekend. I mean, I think Tannehill's got to be on his way out of town if they can find a way. Well, they can't. Uh, this is a similar to the Jimmy G situation. I think he's the fourth highest paid quarterback next yes, year. Yes, it, it's bad. It's yeah, really it's bad. It's very bad. It looked very good a year ago. It did. It looks very bad now. Um, what I want to say about this game is Mike Frable, you are stupid. Look, <laughs> here's what upsets me Derek Henry's back. Derek Henry very obviously is not back. Like, I, I credit the guy for the He return. got weaker as the game went on. Yeah, and then Deontay Foreman outrushes him on four rushes. Four. Well, he had one long run, so that's yeah, a little bit But, but a little even then, he but, but yes, much he, better than Every Derek time he was in, he like I was like, oh, he looks pretty yeah. good. And the Bengals' rush defense is pretty good, and Deontay Foreman looked better on four carries. And more so than that, and I get it, it's Ryan Tannehill, but just continuing to run the ball, like giving – Getting nine sacks and losing the game is one of the craziest things you can do. Yes. If you've ever played Madden, if your quarterback gets sacked nine times, the other team is piling on you. And Mike Vrabel, like, didn't go for any critical fourth downs. He just was content with letting his defense to continue to play the game. He, It was just cowardly coaching from him. And, I mean, I don't think that the Bengals won that game as much as the, the Titans lost it. I mean, obviously Tannehill's picks were egregious, but be a little more aggressive in some of those fourth down situations, especially if you're going to play Derrick Henry, use him then, or let Ryan Tannehill use his legs where he might be effective in the game. Just cowardly, and I, I can't believe the Titans went out that way. They were one of the weaker seeds I've seen in a while in the AFC, but what a just a, a flash in the pan that team was this year. We'll save the Bengals talk for, for the Chiefs-Bengals game in a second. Last thing on the Titans and Tannehill. Well, two things on the Titans. Number one, like maybe find more ways to get A.J. Brown the ball. Um, there's that. Uh, number two, looking at, at Tannehill's contract, there is no shot he's getting released before June 1st. I can tell you that. The dead cap is like $58 million almost. So not happening. And he's not getting traded before then either. But could he get traded post June 1? 30, let's see, he has $9.6 million cap hit, dead cap hit, post June 1 trade, and then dead cap of about 18.9 in 2023. But they save like 20, $29 million against the cap. So for them, like they, they could do it and talk themselves into it making sense. It's all about another team. And, and let me just say, 
there's going to be a lot of teams who are very upset when they miss out on Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. I could just see Ryan Tannehill being the Broncos starting quarterback next year. I could see it. That would be uh, incredibly <laughs> funny. I did not think about that. If they were to do that. Or the Steelers. Yeah. That's another one I could see. I think the underrated quarterback who might end up on another team is going to probably be Kirk Cousins, if I were to pick my guess. Um, but if Ryan Tannehill – if any team trades for Ryan Tannehill, I'm taking the under on wins. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, because it he played at a hyper-efficient edge this year until the playoffs and last year, and I just don't think that most teams have what they need to get that out of them. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay, let's move on to finally the conference championship picks. Uh, hey, Johnny, do me a favor. Pull up FanDuel and, and check this line because I pulled it this morning and it was Chiefs minus seven. I think it might already be seven and a half right now, so we'll we'll amend that if we need to. You mean the, the betters learn their lesson on betting the Chiefs? I, I I think it's going the other way. Uh, but Bengals at Chiefs. This is minus seven. It I know- is still minus seven. Okay, so it's it's seven and a half some places, but not FanDuel where we're pulling this. So good. Minus seven. I know we're all picking the Chiefs. We're all probably picking the Chiefs against the spread too, right? Well, Johnny didn't week one, so or the first but, game. But, of the but let me, I just want to see if, if we all are, we can move this discussion to a different point. But if we're not, let the other person tell us why they're not. No, I'm taking it. Okay, so what would this spread have to be for you to take Bengals plus whatever? Ten. I think for me, it's like plus ten. Yeah, it's got you've got. If it gets double digits, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah. ten ten and a half for me. So, and this is this isn't just a Chiefs thing. It's like. They already had the lines either during the Chiefs-Bills game. I think they came out during the game where it was all the lines were getting put out. And then it was, you know, either Bengals at Bills or Bengals at Chiefs. And they were both the same. It was like minus six and a half, minus seven for both. So I think both the Bills and the Chiefs were vastly superior to the Bengals. And then if you look back to when they played a couple weeks ago in Cincinnati, I I think you're going to have people who pick the Bengals are going to look back and number one, say, well, they beat the Chiefs, number one, last time they played. And even if they somehow lost that game, like they hung in there, they kept it close, which they certainly did. But as you've seen in the playoffs, it's a very different deal to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs and to beat them in the regular season, especially like they play them later in the year, but especially like October Chiefs, like the Bills demolished earlier this year. So that's number one. Number two, this game is in Arrowhead, not in Cincinnati. I think Arrowhead's going to make a big difference. And then number three, like just looking back at that last game, I mentioned the backbreaking penalties. There were so many of those. And just like there was a three minute end zone possession because of penalties <laughs> in that game. Three minutes for the Bengals. And it started on the five yard line and it was three minutes long. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs should have still won that game because it just should not have gotten to that point. They here's how the chiefs lose this game. They play very stupidly against Jamar chase again, single cover him a lot again, blitz again. And he goes off for like 200 yards. Like that is how I see the Bengals wearing this game. And that's about the only way because like, I don't like if, if Joe Mixon and T Higgins, but like, I don't think either of those guys, are going to hurt you 
like Jamar Chase will hurt you if you're Kansas City. Like they're both very good players, but just the way that Chase can hurt you is just so much more devastating in my mind. And I just I don't see the Chiefs picking that mistake. Um, maybe if they were playing a first, like I think if last game was a playoff game, I think Spags probably dials it back and makes adjustments mid game. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to unveil what the next coverage would be against the Bengals and against Jamar Chase. I mean, it's probably going to be covered too, two high safeties. But they, they maybe just didn't want to give them that look against their defense. Who, who knows what, what the reasoning is. But as we've seen, coaches will hold things back in the regular season sometimes. Well, the first thing I'll say is we did allow 200 yards and four touchdowns to receiver and still won a game this week. Uh, <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, the second thing, and I think this is – I do not mean to discount the Bengals. They're in a championship game. It's very hard to do. That being said, they played the Raiders, who I think everybody is pretty sure should not have been in the playoffs and the Chargers should have been there. And secondly, then they played the Titans, who I think the majority of people, including the betting markets, were out on as a contender. The Chiefs still had a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Titans, despite a first round And the Bills, I think, did too as well. Or it was very close, at least, with with the Bills and the Titans. And to that point, it's not just that they played those teams and got an easy road. They have not looked particularly good in either game. Now, they've managed to win, which that's really all that matters at this point. But if you're trying to predict things going forward, it I picked the Titans to win that game because the Bengals did not look good against the Ram, or against the Raiders. If Dan Hill doesn't throw three picks, or even if he just throws one less pick at the end of that game, the Titans easily could have won that game. And I, I just haven't seen I haven't seen what I would want to see out of the Bengals to pick them um to I mean to win, let you know, cover, let alone win a, a minus seven line in, in Arrowhead next week. I mean, how many times have the Chiefs played an AFC playoff game decided by less than one touchdown? You have the Bills overtime game. And the Patriots loss. And the Patriots loss. Is that it? That's all I can think of. That, that In the Mahomes era. Like, they yeah. have generally won by multiple possessions at home in the, 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 the Cleveland game, but that game is like – Well, Chad up, Henney played. Yes, they're out by double digits and Chad Henney played. So that's yeah. the other one. But as long as Mahomes doesn't get hurt during the game, like it's been it's been pretty hard to stay within a touchdown of the Chiefs in your head. That and – let's just take quarterback out for a minute. The Bills are better except in receivers in every single like important position. They have better safeties. Mm-hmm. They have better corner play. They have a better defensive line, a deeper defensive line, a better offensive line. I guess the Bengals win the running back matchup too. And they definitely, no offense Joe Burrow, have a better quarterback right now. Josh yeah. Allen played the second best playoff game ever, second only to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the, the Bills are, without a doubt, a better team. The, te- the team that won that Bills game deserved just to, the Bills-Chiefs game just deserved to skip the Bengals and go straight to the, the Super Bowl, in my opinion. That's not biased at all. Um, I just the way the Bengals win this is the Chiefs make a lot of mistakes. I really think that now the cover is a little different. Like the Bengals can definitely keep it in it, but I don't see them winning the game unless Kansas City really does a lot of very dumb things. And it just looks like Patrick. I mean, they've 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 got level. They've got to have a start like they did against the Steelers in the first quarter. But 
since the first quarter, the offense has been in just breakneck speed mode since the first quarter of that Steelers game, the last seven quarters plus overtime. So, yeah, I, I'm i not feeling too optimistic about a Bengals cover. And if, you, if you're looking on the defensive side, number one, Tyron Matthew back, Rashad Fenton back, hopefully. That's the hope that that's what it looks like it could be for the Chiefs. So that helps compared to last week. Um, we talk about blitzing too much on the Chiefs end. They can look back at that game and say, okay, we don't have to blitz. Like, look at what Chris Jones did to that interior. Like, Mel- Melvin Ingram played, like, a great game against Buffalo. Like, the Chiefs defensive line, like, easily could have had four or five sacks against 90% of quarterbacks in, yeah. in that game. But it's I mean, there was Josh- a fourth and 13 it, 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 where it's Josh, Josh Allen rolled out to the right. And yeah, it should have been sacked. Melvin Ingram, like, literally destroyed a man that was playing left tackle on that play, and he just wasn't able to – to, to get the sack, right? So I think the Chiefs defensive line, as long as they show up, is going to be a big deal in this game. But since we're all pretty easily on minus seven, we're all on the Chiefs, obviously. Johnny, can I interest you in a little plus 400 parlay from this game? Oh, boy. I've seen way too many stuff on FanDuel, <laughs> and it's pretty interesting. What's, a, what's the parlay that you see? So this is plus 400. This is Patrick Mahomes to throw three plus touchdowns and Travis Kelsey to have 75 or more receiving yards. I don't, I don't hate that. Mahomes has thrown thrown four more or three or more touchdowns in six of his 10 playoff games. One of them where he did not was the first one against the Colts where they'd had no passing touchdowns. It was all rushing that day, even though he had like close to 300 yards. The other uh, was the first Super Bowl against the Niners. Another one was against the Bucks, where obviously they had no touchdowns. And then the other one was against the Browns, where left the game injured. So, like, if you take away the injured game and the Bucks, where there was just no chance, it's it's like a 75% shot you're going to get three touchdowns from Mahomes. I just placed the bet. <laughs> I will probably be taking the Jamar Chase over in yards, just yeah. as a Chiefs fan. Just for anybody who's interested in betting advice uh, – I could check it out what's on underdog right now, but I will um, say Charverius like Stefan Diggs had three catches for seven yards. Like I think Chase is better than Diggs at this point, but the Chiefs did not let the best guy beat them last week. I will say it's 87 and a half, and that is a little rich. Uh, a little rich. Rich Marches. Also, Joe Burrow is at 287 and a half passing yards. You know, it's funny you say that. I think I don't know if I have I took a screenshot of this earlier. So I don't have it in front of me, but I think Burrow actually has the the best odds to have the most passing yards this week. Wow. On FanDuel. Like barely. It's like plus like 120 and then like plus 140 for Mahomes. I will J- say Jimmy G is like plus six hundred or plus eight hundred or something. I will say if you want free money. Patrick Mahomes over under on rush yards is 30 and a half. And in the playoffs, he averages 36 a game. Yeah. So, and especially when teams play man to man against the Chiefs like that, he has to do that to, to get them out of out of the man to man. But okay, is there anything else, guys, that that we're missing that we should make sure we we talk about from this game? I mean, from a fantasy perspective, it looks like Daryl Williams is active. So I do want to see how Chiefs utilize all three running backs. Yeah. Jarek McKinnon looks like he's kind of secured a lead role right now. Um, so just evaluating how they use that, especially going into next year, if they retain both Daryl and Jarek and what that means for Clyde Edward Hilaire's value. 
Mm-hmm. So we're taking the Chiefs across the board, which no surprise. I should have mentioned. I mentioned Dalton was nine and one, um, both in both in both straight up and against the spread. So Johnny is eight and two straight up, seven and three against the spread. And as I mentioned, I am seven and three straight up and six and four against the spread. Which I've got to say, for as close as these last weekend's games are, it feels pretty good that we're all multiple games above five hundred. In both those categories, I'm sure this is where it crashes and burns, but but I hope not. I really hope not because that would be the Kansas City loss. Well, even if the Bengals cover that, that uh, that's true. That would be a little pain for for all of us against the spread. But we're far enough in to where it can't it cannot get too bad. There's only three more bets to place. Yeah, I mean, it could probably get worse for me because this is yes, the best it's going to get. Yeah, and I know I'm picking a road underdog next. So okay. That road underdog, Niners at Rams, uh, road in parentheses. Have, have you seen the the effort that the Rams, that certain Rams people are going through to not have the Niners people get tickets? Well, and I wanted to talk about this because the Tennessee Titans did the same thing, and they limited resell within the last 24 hours of the game, and then you had to be within See what the, the what zip the, code. Yep, what the Rams are doing is it's I think it's within 100 miles. Yeah, which – somehow very conveniently exclude San Francisco <laughs> from the Los Angeles metro area. And I mean, doesn't that feel really like illegal from the NFL perspective that they're restricting ticket sales to benefit their home field advantage because no one in Los Angeles is a real football fan. I mean, well, and it's not even that it's like, you know, this is kind of what you get when you charge a million bucks for season tickets and you get all of the rich people who don't really care that much about the actual team. They just want the season tickets and they see a playoff game or like, okay, I can make all my money back right now by selling my ticket. Let's do that. Like that's how yep. you get what, 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 what happened to them. And these tech elite in San Francisco just have all of this money that they're just, <laughs> you know, with these NFTs and these crypto dollars, they're just doing whatever they want. Um, no, I think it is incredibly just. I think that's our first under- NFT drop on the podcast. It is. Um, it's incredibly underhanded. I feel like, and Kind of just like poor sportsmanship in the name of the sport. Well, I, just, I think I think uh, Wentworth is that the name of their left tackle. Wentworth, yeah, Wentworth. Wentworth. His wife put out like a tweet or something where it was like, "Hey, if you're gonna sell this ticket to a Niners fan, please don't. I will buy your ticket from you." <laughs> like that's how desperate they are to keep the Niners out of the stadium. Yeah. Well, if anybody remembers week 18, in a big and an important game, the Niners outnumbered Rams fans and made it difficult for Bat Stafford to make calls to the line. It was so loud in yeah. SoFi. And you're talking about a big and important game, and it's funny to look back on that now. Like, the Niners probably should be dead. They should have never made the playoffs. They should have lost that game. They were down 17-3. They were down, I think, 24-17 with less than two minutes left, and they were punting from their own end zone and still came back and won that game in over. Yeah. One last thing on the tickets. I will give a little shout out to Matt Stafford's wife. Um, they're so expensive. She's offering to buy them. Shout so out if, Matt Stafford's wife. Yeah. Kelly Stafford. Uh, sorry. Um, but she's offering to buy tickets for teachers and then uh, healthcare workers and EMTs and firefighters. So that's very nice that someone's doing it. Uh, probably not nice that the most expensive city in America makes America's sport one of the hardest things to see. Okay. So for the actual game, it's Rams minus three and a half. I have yet to make up my mind on this one, to be frank. Uh, I do know the Rams have lost six in a row to these 49ers. The first time they played, it was like 
okay, I guess the Niners can just run outside zone run, halfback toss 35 times, and they will get eight yards every single time. And then obviously I just mentioned the last game was a lot more up and down, a lot more 50-50. It just kind of seems like the Niners have their number, but I think the Rams – I'm not sure if the Rams are a fraud team like you think, but I do think they got – they got the Bucks in a great spot, obviously, with a banged-up offensive line. Well, I'll start with the Niners. I'm picking them. Uh, okay, I'm picking them to win and picking the points, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would feel more secure about this if I could see a Thursday or Friday practice report because people like Trent Williams are limited in practice. His Elijah X-rays Mitch. came back clean, so at yes. least that's that's the good news. On but watching him live when he has to match up against Aaron Donald is scary. Uh, and then Debo, and Von Miller with the way Von Mil- Von Miller's been playing great, played awesome against the Bucks. Yeah, and then there's Debo who is injured, and Elijah Mitchell who's injured, uh, and then of course Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be playing injured. It looks like. With that being said, I absolutely, positively do not believe that the Rams our team that should have made it this far. I know that's probably a hot take, but when it comes to the football they're playing, it's just not clean football. Like we've seen from the Chiefs, the bills and the chiefs for one, even the bucks until they had the injuries, they're winning games really ugly and their, their coaching staff is making really poor decisions. Like the route trees that are being given to Odell Beckham just are route trees that aren't, like helping his skill set, he's still making plays, but they're running him on like long go routes on like second and tens. And it doesn't make sense to do that when he can run a slant and really create for you. I know Sean McVay is a, a you know, an offensive mastermind or whatever people want to call him, but I, I, I'm giving the edge to Kyle Shanahan, which is tough because he is full of postseason mistakes. But I think that he is, the, but I, I, but I think that I think that's fair. I think it's definitely fair to give the edge to Shanahan. Yeah. So I, that's the first reason I lean that way. And secondly, I think the Rams' defense, outside of their two star defensive players, and I'm excluding Jalen Ramsey because he got burned by Mike Evans, and all in all, did not play a good game. I think that their their defense is pretty fraudulent, especially over the top. And it's going to give the opportunity for the Niners to run their short game and then expose the lack of tackling. Out of the remaining playoff teams, I looked at this on Football Outsiders. The Rams in the NFL through the season were the 25th lowest in, or highest in missed tackle rate. And that just really benefits and kind of matches why the Niners were able to beat them because they're able to use these opportunities to create more offense and they don't really have to play through Jimmy Garoppolo. And then the last thing I'll say is if they can confuse Matt Stafford, it's just game over. And this offense was able to do work on Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. Granted, Stafford has some more weapons, but I just think they're going to do the job of confusing him and making him read through his progressions. And we've seen him just throw interceptions and make bad reads repeatedly even this season. We have, but not yet in these playoffs. That's fair, but I I would be willing to go back to last week and say if Cam Akers didn't fumble the ball twice, they would have been Stafford picks instead. <laughs> well, but, but but it didn't happen. Not it yet. Didn't. It didn't. At least. The, the difference between these two teams is that like Stafford is not a top five quarterback, but he can have days and even series and of course plays where he has top five stuff. So he he and that's why you go get a, a guy like that over Jared Goff, which which they had. 
Johnny, what are you thinking on this game? I like the Rams to win, but I think San Fran covers. Rams. San Fran. Why do you think the Rams? What what what's your opposite viewpoint on the Rams? I mean, Dalton's calling them fraudulent. Like that's that's pretty strong for a team that I, you I have just, going to the Super Bowl. I, I just really like the Rams defense. I I just think the Ramsey, Donald, Von Miller, just those three are just amazing on defense. And we'll, well especially just, like we're getting like vintage Von Miller right now. Yeah. Yeah, and like Trent Williams being injured, not a hundred percent. That's going to be a liability to the O line for San Fran. And I think Jimmy is probably going to have not a fun game. And I just, I, I just think the the Rams is going to end up pulling it off, but San Fran and their explosive plays. I think they're just going to make a last minute pop and eventually cover and, have a last-minute chance, but I think the Rams pull through. I'm picking the same as you, Johnny. I'm taking the Rams to win, uh, Niners to cover. I, I think this is a field goal uh, at, at, towards the end of the game type of game, regardless of which way it goes. But I'm I'm taking the Rams. Here, obviously, I I know they've lost six straight times, and I've really been thinking, like trying to figure out, like why why is it that they just cannot beat this team? And I guess it's probably because the Niners have always had a good offensive line and have mostly kept their quarterbacks clean with a good run, good running game and quick throws and, and stuff like that. So maybe that's it, and, may, and that's probably their recipe. But I think the Stafford element of him, you pick the two quarterbacks that you at least feel safer um, that are not going to lose you the game. It's still Garoppolo is last and Stafford is first amongst those two. So that's a concern right there. And Stafford, like I said, has the upside to actually win you the game. I just don't think Jimmy G has that. I think eventually Jimmy's limitations have to catch up with this team. Even like overall, like roster wise, I think San Fran is a better team. And if they had like a Deshaun Watson or or like uh, I don't know, even uh, you know Joe Burrow. Like if they had a very good, but not the best quarterback on that team, they are a Super Bowl team. But I just I think the Jimmy G train has got to stop at some point. I think it's going to be here. Yeah, I just don't think it's the Jimmy G train. I think it's the Debo Samuel train. Um, oh, it is. It's not the yeah. Jimmy G train. But like eventually, Jimmy is going to have to do something to keep that train going he's gonna have to do something more than hitting george kill on a five yard slant that he takes 15 yards like they're so scared of jimmy g that they ran the ball on third and seven when they had to get yards to kick a field goal because if they didn't against the packers they're on like the 38 39 40 yard line and it was very cold the field to my dismay was frozen solid it, it, there was no chance they were kicking it from the 38 yard line. If they did and missed it, they would have lost the game likely out of curiosity. If Jimmy G was fully healthy and not injured, like he is, would it change your picks at all? Okay. No. I still think he's trash. I, I do too, but I think Matt Stafford's a fraud as well. I, I mean, again, I think I, he's a better quarterback. Don't get me wrong with that. Matt Stafford, definitely a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But hey, say what you will about Stafford. He he made the biggest play of wild of divisional round weekend until the 
insane nuclear Sunday night game. You mean when the safeties just didn't cover his open receiver? Hey, man, he still stepped <laughs> up and delivered that throw. That's not an easy throw. It's not, but it's something that any like quality quarterback should be able to do. Well, in the, in the Super Bowl, Jimmy had a chance to do it, and he overthrew his guy. Absolutely. How <laughs> how failed would you feel football would be if our Super Bowl was Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, I like Joe Burrow, but if it were yeah. Bengals Niners, that would that feel pretty painful. Because like, I, yeah, the Chiefs I don't know how versus, much I'd want to watch it. The Chiefs versus either of those other two teams it will be a fun Super Bowl if that's what we get. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs obviously lost to the Rams in one of the most electric games when it was Jared Goff three years ago now. And yeah, then, I saw a post where it's like, Super Bowl is going to be a rematch of this, except replace Jared Goff with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, there's like, no well, more Brandon I'm not, Cooks. I'm, I'm not sure we're going to get a 54 to 51 or yeah. 51 to 48 or whatever the world it was. Yeah, but it's either a rematch of the Super Bowl or the Rams who went out and got their guy might try to prove a point that their guy is actually a good quarterback. What worries me and what is making me pick this as a close game and Niners cover is I do think Shanahan's a better coach than than uh, McVay. I think it's close, but like I I feel like McVay's deal is that he he isn't great like adjustments. Like he's not a great adjuster. Like I know back when they had Goff, they had to be pretty one dimensional. But we saw in the Super Bowl that year, right? It's like they just banged their head against the wall over and over and over again with their outside zone runs, and it just was not there. The Patriots were not going to lose that way, and they scored three points. Like, I'm not saying that anything like that is going to happen, but just like that element of it, that element of stubbornness to for McVay is a little bit concerning to me. And then obviously, like, the, the Niners have a great roster. Like, I told you as a Chiefs fan, I think I might be more scared of Bosa against the Chiefs than than Donald. Not because I think Bosa is better, but Donald is just more on the interior, whereas Bosa, obviously all edge, and that's where the Chiefs struggle more is on the edge as opposed to the interior. But like Bosa is just awesome. And then they also have you know, their, their D tackle, who is just un, unbelievable. Like I can't think of his name off the top of my head. And Fred Warner, unbelievable. So, like, that defense could very easily make it miserable for, for Stafford and the Rams. And I worry about Cam Akers at this point fumbling, too, quite frankly. But I think I'm I'm still sticking with the Rams. I'm just going with the, with the quarterback I trust more here. If Whitworth is inactive and Bosa gets the backup left tackle, how that's gonna be a problem. that worry you? That, that's going to be a big problem for yeah. sure. Yeah, I do think out of the two games, this one will be much more uh, entertaining and close to watch. I think it'll have less fireworks than the Chiefs-Bengals game, but I think it's definitely going to have a higher like tension in the game. They're probably going to play it close most of the game. Yeah, if I had to pick a score for like both these games, it'd be like 35-24-ish 30, for Chiefs-Bengals and like 23-20 for this game, I think. I think, I think that's like the range I'm looking at for both of these games. I was going to say 34-20 for the the Chiefs, and then I was going to say like 14-10 for this game. The four, I think it's going to be a little more high score than that, but I, I guess know. who knows. The, I think, the over in total points for Championship Sunday is 100. I would probably take the under. So I'm looking at – Okay, Dalton, Mr. 49er, before we get out of here, Nick Bosa to record one sack. Jimmy G to throw one touchdown and George Kittle to receive one touchdown plus 400. 
nope, I don't want any of the passing game in any how, of my bets. How about this one? This one, actually, I was surprised it was plus 800. You do have a little bit of the passing game, but not much. Debo Samuel to have one receiving and one rushing touchdown, plus 800. I like that better because uh, <laughs> he could break one off and take it. Plus 800 is pretty good. Uh, I either would game, that. either game from the conference final to go to overtime, plus six hundred. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Any quarterback to have four hundred or more passing yards, plus four hundred. I would do that one. I think Mahomes and Burrow have that. I don't know about the other game. So Trey, okay, last. I've got a couple more. Oh, okay, so two more that are long shots that I just, I really want to throw five dollars on. Any offensive lineman to have a receiving touchdown this weekend is plus 1,200. Well, we did lose to the Bengals, and Andy Reid has a tendency to be like, how do you like them apples in, <laughs> in payback games? So, I mean, Nick Allegretti or someone else getting a touchdown is not out of the, the potential range of outcomes for the Chiefs. The last one, any non-quarterback to throw a passing touchdown, also plus 1,200. Debo. <laughs> I was say I don't know enough about other teams to know who all has like Muhammad Sanu active. Is he playing? Odell, yeah. Muhammad Sanu is off the IR. Is he playing? He's a former quarterback. That's true. The I also would say on the lineman one, I wouldn't be surprised if Whitworth plays. It, I mean, this has to be his last season, right? If McVeigh, if they're up enough, doesn't try to scheme him one, give him a touchdown to end his career before he loses in the Super Bowl to Kansas City. Oh man. Okay. All right. I think that does it. Anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? I think I'm good. All righty. That is going to do it for episode 63 of the Half Point for Podcast. We shall see if the betting and just straight up luck continues for this podcast after this week. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, obviously, if you're here. If you're watching at any point on YouTube, just click the little subscribe button. And if you're looking us up, just search Half Point for Podcast on YouTube. And, of course, listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anyplace else. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. And we will be coming back to you with a Super Bowl preview and a quick look back at these games next week.